Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel and today my guest is Dylan Liu. He is the CEO at Uconnect Esports and is the former president and founder of Texas A&M Esports. I had an absolute blast with this episode, getting to learn who Dylan is, what he is, and, and how the heck he was capable of building a startup while in college at Texas A&M. And then creating another startup that's also completely disrupting the sponsorship market for live esports events, I think is incredible. So very grateful I got the opportunity. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Dylan Liu. Yes. Today, my special guest on the For the Love of Sports podcast, I have Dylan Liu, the CEO at Uconnect Esports and formerly the president and founder of AM Esports. Dylan, how are you doing today, man? I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure is all mine. I'm excited yeah. to get to ask you some questions about your career and, and esports and the business itself. But the first question I have for you, Dylan, and it's the first question mm-hmm. I have for everybody is, mm-hmm. why do you love sports so much? Um. Well, I guess I kind of like grew up um, playing a lot of sports, like sampling all, a lot of that stuff. I think um, the reason why I love like esports so much, um, obviously there's that team aspect. Um, you know, you kind of create bonds with the people that um, you're with. There's a community aspect. I think in the beginning, um, I was I was never allowed to play games when I was um, when I was a little kid. I only like my I played I started playing games. I think um, probably like high school, and I would like stuff the the bottom of my um, door with like clothes and stuff so that they couldn't see the light coming out of my bedroom um and i got to play like maybe like um from like 11 to 2 a.m um that way but i never really got into gaming until um i got into college and that's when i just went crazy with gaming but um you know at first it was like playing games um the whole um um the whole like competitive side of it but then i after i you know founded um texas me sports i actually stopped um and you'll hear this with a lot of community organizers um, in gaming, um, after we started getting to community aspect, we actually play less and it's all about, um, you know, bring together all these people and, um, and just knowing that like these groups of friends that are forming that, that are going to last a lifetime, it's because of you, you know, these hundreds mm-hmm. of people that are coming together, it's because of you. And, you know, we weren't getting paid. It was, it was completely volunteer. It was just like full adrenaline, like, holy crap, all these people love what I'm doing and like, and I'm helping all of them with their like college life, you know, meeting new people. So I, I feel like at the end of the day, um, it really evolved into, um, you know, bringing people together and, and knowing that you had that big of an effect on them. And I think that's very important. And I think it's in all aspects of, you know, a lot of sports, esports, if you start working in that space, you're not Mm -hmm. going to be able to enjoy it as much. You know, I speak to sports Mm -hmm. journalists, I speak to CEOs of companies, and, you know, Mm -hmm. you get into it because you love the sport, you love the team. And then when you realize you start working, you Mm -hmm. don't really get to enjoy with everybody else because you're working, right? right? So it's it's always kind of that ironic, like weird, like, let me get into it because I love it, but now I can't really love it as much as I used to uh, Mm -hmm. twist. And, you know, kudos to you for for, uh, hiding hiding from your parents and being able to play from (laughs) 11 to 2 in the morning. I think that's pretty smart. I don't think I ever did anything quite like that. I would just wait till Uh my parents went to sleep 
they shut their door, I shut mine, and then I'd go. Oh no, I'd my parents! Know, my parents went on. My parents went on patrol. Like they, they, they would check <laughs> on me. I'd like, like throw the computer to the ground, pretend I'm sleeping, that kind of stuff. It's pretty extreme stuff, but yeah. Hey man, was, it uh, is what it is. It, it brought yeah. you here, and that's that's the important part. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I do. So so the first, uh, and then another, not the first question, but another question. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I'm not the most adept in the esports and gaming space. It's it's mm-hmm. very very interesting to me. That's why I love to have people like you on because I want to learn more mm-hmm. about it because it is. It's getting bigger by the day, especially with what we're going right. through right now. No one can do anything but essentially play video games. So I always love to ask this question because I've found it's there's a general answer, but it's a little subjective along the way. What is the difference between esports and gaming? Um, well, esports is um, competitive gaming um, on a professional level. Um, I would say that um, gaming is obviously you know um, the the main demographic, and then you have um, esports, which um, especially in collegiate, it's starting to kind of uh, mesh and share um, that the same terminology. For example, all the college gaming organizations now are called esports organizations, even though um, they're full of casual gamers. Um, I think um, esports has a lot more emphasis on live events. It has more, um, you know, franchises and all that stuff. Um, gaming has um, obviously evolved the past couple of years, but esports is like where um, a lot of that new stuff is coming out of, you know, um, the, like, um, it's starting to build a lot of infrastructure that can be shared with um, traditional gaming. Um, you know, the stadiums, um, the, the big lands, um, all this stuff, um, these new, um, you know, these new like social networks or these new tournament platforms. That's all. It's all basically what I like. I don't think, I don't know that it's still true today, but I'm pretty sure it is. Esports is considered like a loss leader um, for a lot of companies to drive traffic to the game. So games is where the money is at, but esports is where um, you can get that, that real big push um, for in terms of retention. It's like, it's a bigger push for um, games as a service rather than just like selling off one copy of a game and then working on your next game. You know, you have these like Riot Games and Blizzard Games, um, you know, Blizzard companies that continue on these games for years at a time. Um, you know, and before you would really only see that with like MMORPGs and like, like WoW and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's really interesting. So I've never heard that second piece of it. Obviously, I have heard the, you know, the esports is competitive, the gaming is, is a little bit more casual. But I think, again, you know, gaming is that umbrella and kind of all these things fall underneath it, which is really interesting. And again, I, I do enjoy yeah. learning more. And so, yeah. you know, you brought it up before mm-hmm. with, you know, the community organization and kind of really getting into gaming and the gaming space and the esports space in college and understanding mm-hmm. that while you're not able to play as much anymore, you're still able mm-hmm. to help others play forge new relationships and forge bigger bonds, um, you know, throughout your school. So how, how do you even go about, you know, what, what were those first few days, weeks, months of, of trying to found the A&M esports community? Because I feel like that's like a huge, huge undertaking to just I yeah. mean, come up with. Yeah. Um, I want to be honest. Um, it actually kind of happened on accident. Um, I'll, I can tell you like the most, um, the most common thing you'll hear from uh, former collegiate organizers is that um, they founded their organizations because they didn't have any friends in college. So they basically, like, basically it's kind of like, um, oh, if I found this organization um, and I'm the leader, then they have to be my friends. I, I, they have to hang out. I, I don't want to, like, that sounds like too, um, too forced. But a yeah, yeah, a little, but, little desperate. I, but I, but honestly, like, a lot of us are, like, kind of, um, we're kind of, like, awkward kids, you know, um, kind of nerdy. And um, it was just, it wasn't that we were like um, socially inept. It was just like, you know, college is a big place, especially Texas A&M. And um, we were having trouble finding our place. And I had high school friends and stuff like that, but it really did start off um, as just a Facebook group. Um, it was a bunch of us 
um, you know, getting together. It wasn't even supposed to be an organization, but so many people joined because that like 2012 was like, um, was like the beginning of esports and it's such an explosion. Um, and um, it just ended up growing to the point where everyone's like, you know what, we need to have a viewing party. I want to like finally get together and play with each other. Um, originally, it was just me and my friends. I wasn't going to like um, let anybody else into that Facebook group. It was just like a, a private Facebook group. But um, so many people showed up. I can tell you like in the MSC basement, um, that's the, the, um, the student center at Texas A&M. Um, there's a bunch, there was um, a bunch of TVs and a bunch of couches lined up. And it was actually game day. So there was a bunch of families like grouped up um, watching football and then it was probably like I think there's like seven couches and there's two of them had like a bunch of families and you know people watching traditional football and then the next um the like all the rest of the rows were all esports it was all everyone was like what the heck are they doing like these these nerds are watching other people but like we we didn't just occupy all the uh, all the couches we took all the chairs from the dining room that was next door and carried them so that like the entire basement was full of um kids like um all watching and cheering on this this video game um so after that, um, you know, um, I basically like, uh, we kind of formed a close community. We got to like bond a little bit. I, I picked out my first founders, you know, that first founding officers team. And that's when it really like kind of um, became not, not difficult, but it really like we, we grew really fast mm -hmm. and um, we really like formalized rather than just like, holy crap, like um, it's, it's just a watching party. But uh, up to that point, it was pretty uh, natural growth. And then from there, you know, we created, um, you know, a, an officer structure. Um, we started hosting events, doing live tournaments. We had um, over 200 people play in our first tournament. We had it streamed wow. by students. We had that. We were at the Rudder Tower. Um, we had like a projector and everything, um, and uh, we just kind of grew from there. But we we were cash flow positive. We were probably like one of the few organizations that were cash flow positive. And within like two or three years, we were the largest organization um, on campus to the point where like we had political power. Like we we could we could muster so many people that um like. I was just like, uh, I'm not, we weren't supposed to do this, but we, we were just like um, screwing around the student government. Uh, we were like, oh, let's like elect Timo, um, which is like a character in the game as, um, as the president of a bunch of these student organizations. And they were, uh, Timo was like second place for a lot of these, um, these student organization positions. I was just a joke, like, oh, wouldn't it be funny? And then like, we started getting like hundreds of votes, like, oh crap, we screwed up. We should stop this <laughs> before we get in trouble, you know? But um, yeah, like, uh, um, that's kind of like um, how, and then eventually grew to this corporate structure where mm -hmm. I had like a department for marketing, um, accounting, you know, if I, it was really well organized. Obviously they don't have as much time as, um, as um, you know, normal professionals mm -hmm. do. And it requires a little more handholding, but um, it grew into a pretty big thing. And, um, and then uh, I think they had like 35 officers at some point. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. And this was, was all over the span of four years you were able to accomplish all this? Three. Three. Three years. Uh, it, yeah. Four, I was more of an advisor. I was trying to hand off my position because I was graduating. Okay. Um, and it's good to have um, former leaders like, um, I mean, it's good to have former leaders like kind of have the next leader shadow you. Um, it is a lot. Of, I, I tell this to everyone. I think everyone um, in, in collegiate esports can tell you it's basically like starting your own company, like your own startup. And that's what made it easy for me to, um, to start Uconnect because like you have you're not first of all you're not getting paid which you get really used to when you're doing a startup um and you're um you're also doing it in combination with school so um i can tell you my my grade suffered um like like terribly mm -hmm. but i ended up pulling through it but um yeah yeah like uh that's pretty much um i guess the story of the beginning of how, mm -hmm. how that ended up but yeah we had like um we had more than a thousand members we had like 1600 people um in our in our community and um, it was just a massive life. Like every people like knew me when I went to the when when I went on campus. Like, oh, that's you're the kid who keeps spamming the Facebook groups for the class of 2015 with your um, esports posts. But yeah, that's kind of 
Um, that is awesome, man. I, I just think it's such a cool concept, um, especially mm. back in 2012. Now it's like, mm. it seems like it's probably, if it's not already everywhere. Mm. Um, but back in 2012, yeah. I mean, I, that's when I started um, Rutgers. So I went to community college for a couple of years and I went to oh. Rutgers for my last couple of years. And so yeah, yeah. I know they have, while I was at Rutgers and while I was in oh. high school, they actually, I know they have one of, if it, I mean, at least it was from my remembering was like one of the biggest Super Smash Bros tournaments. And they're like, one of mm -hmm. Keep they're going. one of the biggest, yeah. They're they're one of the biggest organizations in the country. Like in the East Coast, they're definitely one of the flagship um, universities. Like they actually Let's just go. joined our, yeah, they actually just joined our network. Um, after Paxis, I met them, um, the current leaders. But um, a lot of them ended up. Sorry, I interrupted you. But they, a lot no. of them ended up moving to like, um, to you know, um, to professional positions. Like well, I think one of them is um doing is in a marketing agency that does the marketing work for Pepsi now, um, which well, is like pretty. Yeah, yeah, they, 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 yeah, yeah like if, if you can, go. if you can, if you can make it in these like flagship campuses for esports and you do well, um, like like brands take um brands take notice, like um you know they they won't they may not know you by name, but um they'll know which school like you're from, like mm -hmm. oh Rutgers, Rutgers is like one of the the biggest esports clubs. Let's let's like talk about. It. That's how I got my job. Like um they're like holy crap, Texas A&M is like a really big esports um school. You guys did really well there. Let's like interview. They didn't ask about uh, GPA or anything at all. So. And yeah, I mean, again, like, G what is GPA? It's like, all right, you're, you're capable of listening and remembering the answer to a question, right? In right, most right. cases, yeah. obviously, I know certain, mm -hmm. you know, I was in marketing, so it's mostly like, here's the answer, yeah. just remember it from two weeks when you have the test, like, that's kind of right. what it was. But um, yeah. no, I mean, and that was always something really interesting, because I had a few friends that were really, really <laughs> deep into Super Smash Bros in in high school and then a couple of them ended up going to Rutgers as well with me and you mm -hmm. know we would still we stayed in contact and I remember one of my mm -hmm. buddies actually had people from Japan if I'm not mistaken Japan or Korea I apologize I don't remember which country but he mm -hmm. actually like housed them for oh, a wow. week or two while the tournament was going on because people are coming in from literally all over the country or all over yeah, the yeah. world which was so mm -hmm. interesting and, and Rutgers mm -hmm. is one of the more diversified campuses like in the entire country at least it was when mm -hmm. I was there which was really yeah. cool too but just seeing that again back then it was i'll be honest i was like this is cool also weird but this is cool and now again <laughs> yeah. it's just kind of like this is this is the world and, and I'm, I'm very grateful that it moved in that direction i'm terrible at super smash brothers so that's yeah, you know unfortunately yeah. i wasn't able to go into that competition but it was just really interesting kind of being there and seeing that like i didn't actually go to the competition but i stayed in contact mm. with my friend uh shout out chris mm. smith and you know mm. saw what was going on and obviously walking around on campus and just seeing a lot of extra people and walking around downtown on, on weekends, just seeing all these people and hearing about it. It was always very mm -hmm. interesting to me. So that's cool. I'm glad Rutgers is good at something. We're pretty bad at pretty much all sports. So um, basketball uh -huh. this year was good, but unfortunately we got that canceled and football has been pretty terrible recently, but that's right. okay. As long as we mm -hmm. have esports, I think that's something that we'll be able to work with. And so yeah. with that, you said, like this grew into like a corporate structure and over three years you've been able, you were able to like, at what point did you, did you love it the whole time? You know, as we were talking about before, mm -hmm. like you don't really get the opportunity to play games anymore. Uh, you don't really get the opportunity to enjoy the reason why you got into it. So at what, I mean, at some point along the way, you've probably been like this might've got a little out of control. We're going to run with it. Cause you know, the end, you can kind of see that end of the, the, oh. uh, the light at the end of the tunnel. But at what point along the <laughs> way were you like, all right, this is fun, but man, this is an entire job. Um, I think, um, I don't think I ever um, got to the point where I didn't care about it anymore. I think like, um, if anything, I went the opposite direction. I was like, you know what? Screw school, school, like <laughs> any career opportunities. I'm just going to go all in on this and then YOLO the rest of my life. Love um, it. but, um, 
yeah like it was all like adrenaline it was just like um like building growth like at that period of time um that was pure growth like um like your know, organization is still growing but there's a lot more bureaucracy um but like just it's kind of like that minecraft mentality where like you start building something and you get really excited and you just grow 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 it's like all it's like almost an addiction um and at that time there was so much freedom to grow and so much um freedom to grow your revenue that um you know i just like kept wanting to and at, at the time there were not many career opportunities because esports was just becoming a thing so um you know like i, I ended up like working for a, a studio afterwards but um, at the time, I, I thought like, oh, I'm not a programmer, so I can't work in video games. Like that was literally my mm -hmm. my process of thinking. And I guess I I thought I need uh, a marketing degree or something like that, um, which you know um, some companies do require. But if you have some some like um, other experiences, that also is um, is valuable, right? But I, it just didn't translate for me. I remember like the first um, the first two jobs I um, I applied for, I got interviews for was like medical staffing. And and um and selling pro and selling um hardware at Home Depot or something like that. It was like because my economics grades weren't good enough, so I was like, <laughs> you know what, I'll just apply to this. Yeah, but anyway, like um, I, yeah, I, I never got really tired of it. It was all adrenaline. Uh -huh. Like I, I figured um, if I if I can't make it in life, I might as well like just uh make this work out and see what happens. You know, it, it was just basically a hail mary. But I, I just uh, um, yeah, it was. I guess I never really got too tired of it. I guess I guess I think at some point, like my my senior year, I was like, dude, I need to graduate on time because this is like, um, my, my, like I'm getting real like because I started out as a civil engineer, um, as a civil um engineering um degree, and then um so like after I dropped that and um switched to economics, all my civil engineering degrees um um became my elective so i never took any fun classes. it was I, I just only took weed out classes in engineering and then once i moved out of engineering i only took weed out classes for economics which is like hardcore schoolwork the whole time and i was like you know what i like i'm i'm already uh i'm already like might fall behind a little bit so i, I just need to wrap up and focus on school so i can graduate um so that that became my only time where i was like you know i need to i need to push this off a little bit mm -hmm. and and work on school so and shout out to you you, you clearly you caught the hail mary man um you know yeah. I, I think you might <laughs> yeah. still be running because the end zone is uh you know it's 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 coming up but um yeah. no I, I think it, you know what you were able to do and again like with with sports in general you know esports sports mm -hmm. we can lump it all together and you know mm -hmm. doing that hardcore amount of work in high school mm -hmm. in college is what's going to set you up to get that job as you said it was a startup yeah. people are paying attention to what you were able to build and what you were able to grow and how you did it I think that's what's really going to separate you from someone else that, you know, has a really good GPA, but didn't really do anything in college, right? And yeah. didn't really do anything to build your portfolio in some way, shape or form. So I think what you what you did is obviously, um, you know, it worked, right? You got yeah. that job. So yeah. I think that part's important. And uh, I guess with, uh, keep going. Uh, I'm sorry, I just want to uh, plug in here, like for anybody who's listening, who's like a student, like um, one thing that, um, that ended up evolving, like I, it wasn't like this at my time, but like now, um, a lot of these esports companies, a lot of these hardware companies that are hiring, they actually care way more about like, um, it's, a lot of them will say like must have collegiate esports experience, you know, like they care more about that because the stuff they do in collegiate esports is just a smaller version of what they end up doing in the industry. Mm -hmm. So um, like the GBA um, and the degree, like unless you, like you become a doctor, then you should definitely get grades, obviously. But um, like, um, like other than that, like they pretty much only care about what you accomplish in collegiate esports. You could have like a 2.0 GPA and they wouldn't care. They like it it all like goes directly from, um, from collegiate to um, professional. And that's why that's a lot of the value prop that we, we pitch to administrations when they're trying to figure out what to do with collegiate esports. Um, they don't like, it's good. It's good to educate them that like, this is literally like, um, 
like doing collegiate esports stuff is literally job training. Like mm -hmm. it's almost not that like you can like all this tournament administration, all this stuff, they do exactly the same thing, except they scale it out and they have more tools and resources to work with. So that's something that we really like to, um, to push for administration really sells it, you know, because that's what, that's what college is for. It's for educating kids for the workforce. And that's exactly what college, running a collegiate esports organization, being part of leadership is for. So that's awesome, man. I think that is some great information. I hope people out there listening, take that um, and run with it or tell their friend or tell their kid or tell somebody about it, because I think that part's really important. So as you were saying though, like with, with the tournaments, with all these opportunities, I saw you guys got media coverage, you got sponsorships, you were officially recognized organization. Again, over a three, three year period, you were able to accomplish so much. I mean, how, with, with the sponsorship and the media side, especially like at what point did they start to take notice or were, was it more of you guys reaching out and saying, Hey, look what we built. Um, I think um, they ended up just uh, seeing us based on reputation. Um, I think, Actually, I think they had a typo in there. It wasn't sponsored, it was scholarships. So we went ah. over to, yeah, our teams won over $200,000 in scholarships. We also did have sponsorships as well. Um, but um, yeah, like um, obviously we, they took notice because we were Southern Regional, uh, we were Southern Regional champions for like three or four years straight. So like we were the largest organization in the South. Um, we were always like um, winning that that region. We never won like the the world. The, the oh, actually, we did. We won a national championship the first year that they ran a um, collegiate star league like um, um, tournament. But um, yeah, just like constantly like having that media coverage where like people were seeing like the four teams that were playing at the, on on the riot stage or on the riot channel. Um, it was always um, you know Texas A&M was always there, and that's kind of how we made a name for ourselves and. Um, you know, the combination of media and like um, our school newspaper and even like, um, you know, I think the Houston Chronicle did like two or three pieces on us. Um, so the Dallas Morning News, um, all of these different, um, it was just a combination, but we, we didn't, I didn't have the contacts back then to, to reach out to anyone. So it was all um, just like people wanting to learn more about collegiate and they would run, um, they would basically run into us. We were probably like, I would say the top three um, collegiate organizations at the time was UBC Esports. Um, which is up in Canada, University of British Columbia, UC Irvine, and then Texas A&M. We were the top three. So like, wow. um, yeah, like um, one thing that ended up happening was um, this, is a, this is what I think um, catapulted a lot of us into, um, into the collegiate esports arena is the Riot Collegiate Summit, which is when um, Riot like uh, basically flew out, I think like 175 or something, um, collegiate leaders from the top um, organizations in the country. We all got to network with each other. And one of the coolest things, like I didn't think that I was really well known or anything like that because I'm all the way in Texas, but like everyone knew who Texas A&M was and who like who, who I was, which is really cool because I had not had any kind of recognition before that. I was just like, oh, I'm Dylan. I post memes, you know? Like that's pretty much like the only thing that, um, but like it was really cool to, to know that like other people knew me just from what I did at Texas A&M. And I also knew them, you know, I knew who Carmen Lam was. I knew, um, I knew who, you know, um, who Kathy Chang was just because of what they did at UCI and UBC and Georgia Tech and all that stuff. So, that's uh, incredible that man cool. and yeah, yeah. that is pretty cool getting you know a little little recognition not that you need yeah, yeah. it but it's kind of nice to know that it's there right oh. no yeah, one yeah. no one says no thank you to a pat on the back especially if you've right. done a, a significant amount of hard work to get there and so yeah. with that as you said it kind of well first i have to ask is that national championship banner hanging at kyle field by any chance um no i think <sighs> it, it's i ended up staying at um at riot Studio, but it was like a big banner it was like it was like um like, I think, yeah, I don't know how, how tall it was, but, um, like, it was probably, like, uh, I want to say, like, 20 feet tall or something. It, it was, um, I think it's in the banner for um, our club for a while, but it was a pretty big banner. Um, yeah, but we, we didn't end up bringing anything back home um, just because uh, 
I think it, that was they just kept it. I don't know. But um, we had other banners and stuff that we created ourselves. But in terms of the the stuff from Riot, um, I don't think they ever kept any of that. Hey man, a national championships, yeah. national championship. That's all yeah. that matters. But um, so it sounds like you did some incredible stuff at A and M, which again mm-hmm. led into that first job, I guess, with mm-hmm. with your portfolio of work and with the opportunity mm-hmm. that you essentially, as you said, over three years, you were able to create maintain and develop this organization to the point where you're a nationally known figure within the esports space and mm-hmm. Texas A&M as you said it was at least at the time one of the three biggest and three most important collegiate mm-hmm. esports programs again only in yeah. three years which is incredible um, mm-hmm. I'm surprised more companies didn't come reach out to you now do you think it's because that was 2012 and again a lot of this was just starting because I feel like with what you did even startups in general um, mm-hmm. you should you know, no offense to anyone that works at the Home Depot and, and you know, does mm-hmm. whatever your job description you said mm-hmm. before was. But yeah, I mean, there's, nothing, clearly, there's nothing wrong with, yeah. But there's clearly you, with, you were yeah. capable of a lot of oh. things. Like how, how oh. did the, the, the job and the opportunity with Sparky Pants come up? Um, honestly, it was a, it was honestly just like a Hail Mary. I think like somebody, one of my like old SAT tutors was like, uh, maybe you should apply for a gaming. I'm like, nah, I can't like, there, there's no fit for me. Like I don't have any technical skills or whatever, but um, I ended up just like applying um, because I saw, I was like, you know what, um, screw it. Like I'll just submit it. And it was like one of the, it wasn't even like one that I had to type out. It was like one of the easiest applications. Like you can submit it and, um, it just automatically submits based on like what you previously wrote and stuff. So I didn't really put too much thought into it or any, like, um, any like extra effort just cause I didn't, I, I really didn't think I was going to make it. And, um, funny thing is, um, I never got a call. Like I, I probably applied to like 150 jobs. My mom was getting worried. I didn't get a call back from anybody except for Sparky and all the other companies were like just random companies. I was just like, like literally just like, um, you know, throwing out applications everywhere. And the one, um, the one place that, uh, that got me a second, I did have like, like one-off interviews with people, but like, um, a lot of them were like kind of depressing and all, I just ended up talking about collegiate esports anyway. Like, Oh, I, I would get really, really ramped up about like my experience at collegiate esports and these other, um, these other companies were just like, okay, cool. I, I know you're excited, but like, this has nothing to do with um, what we're interviewing for. Right. But like, um, I, I ended up getting um, a call back from sorry pants and then, um, yeah, like, um, that ended up being the only job offer I had. Um, and, like it just happened to be the one job that was in the industry that I wanted to get into. So like, um, I think that was, that was really, and, and actually I, I applied for community manager, which is usually like requires some experience. So, um, uh, and they weren't hiring for anything else at the time. So when I applied, they were like, sorry, uh, we don't have a position for you right now, but, um, we like what you did at Texas A&M. So we just created a new position so that you <laughs> can join us. And I was like, Oh wow. Holy crap. And like that ended up being a huge, like when I, so when I first went to um, my first couple of weeks on the job, like they didn't even have anything for me to do because like they, like they didn't expect, they weren't like prepared to bring on an additional community coordinator. So I, I was like, so excited, like oh, I'm ready to prove myself, you know, like um, all this stuff. Cause my grades are really bad. So I really, I was really eager for that. And um, they were just like, Oh, we don't have anything for you to do. You can just chill. I'm like, so like the first couple of weeks, like the first week, I think I was just like sitting there like, Oh, like, can I help you with this? Can I help you with this? just jumping around trying to find work to do? Um, and then I just ended up playing the crap out of the game and just like learning, learning the game really in depth. And then I ended up create, I was able to like create my own projects, which really, um, you know, it, it, they were like backed by a publisher. So they had resources, but they were small enough 
company, like probably 30, 40 people, probably 30 people that um, I was able to just create projects on my own and create value. And they're like, oh yeah, cool. Like I, I wrote the entire wiki myself for the game. Um, I, you know, I created content, all that stuff. And then um, I ended up creating, like that's, that's what kind of allowed me to create that collegiate program. Cause um, I was literally able to just like jump on any project, get all this like random experience from all these different departments and then create, um, I, I had built up enough, uh, enough credibility or like enough favor from everybody that they were just like, you know what, let Dylan do his collegiate program. So it got approved by marketing. And that's kind of um, when I was able to kind of prove it, prove collegiate out on a business standpoint. But um, I think I missed one of your questions. Like why didn't, um, why didn't brands uh, um, tackle into collegiate? It really was like too early. Um, like I, even now, a lot of big companies, they don't know really anything about collegiate or how to, how to um, market to these organizations. Um, I think, um, a lot of the brands like, like, um, like HyperX and Corsair and all that stuff, they were also like just getting started and really growing like along with esports because they are like very heavily invested in, into esports. But, um, I think a lot of like right now, a lot of the big brands that invest into, into collegiate esports where all the people working on those projects are actually former collegiate leaders. So what ended up happening was like a bunch of this whole generation graduated, um, got into the, got into the industry and then, um, and then started like sponsoring collegiate esports back. And that's where you create all this new value. But back then it was all like, um, older people. Um, and there's just no way that they would invest money into it because they didn't know anything about it mm -hmm. and it would take years. So like, really it just like, this is why we say collegiate esports is a cult. Um, like, uh, like, all of us kind of stick together. We kind of pull each other up into the industry. And then the people who do make it in the industry, we give back to the, because we, we know, we know the value of it, but, um, but you know, these old, these like other executives, they may, it may not be in the preferable vision because they may have other things on their mind or whatever, mm -hmm. but yeah, that's kind and of that, like how, how it evolved. You can't quite blame them. Um, of mm. course, but at the same yeah, there's time, a lot happening. Said, yeah, yeah there, there's a lot of stuff going on and you can't blame them, but you know, as, as we're seeing, and as I'm personally talking to more people and, you know, kind of exactly with what's going on now, you know, with this pandemic, mm. esports mm. has, it's the only game in town at this point, essentially. So really yeah, understanding what it is and how it's going and what it's doing, I think is very important. Um, so with, with Sparky, tell us what exactly, what exactly? So you were the collegiate esports coordinator. So again, like it, mm. it made sense what you you know what you did and how you can then apply it to other mm. schools and other opportunities around the country. What exactly? Mm. So you said there was a game. Uh, mm. I have written down Drop Zone. Like what exactly mm. was the game and how how do you then try and help people? Mm. How do you build awareness for a brand new game that people don't really know anything about? Um. Yeah. So. Um... So drop it was the RTS MOBA. Um, it in the beginning it did pretty well, but I think um, my personal opinion is that um, a lot of the marketing dollars were spent a little bit too early. Like when it was still an alpha, I don't think it was ready. Um, but you know, it was actually like a fun game. But then after it was actually launched, like I think um, the marketing dollars were already spent at that point, so we didn't, it didn't really get a proper launch. Um, but it um, yeah, so. Um, Sorry, what was the original question? I, I kind of what's like the game? Off. What is the game? Oh, oh yeah, it's it's um it's an RTS MOBA. So basically, you control um these three um these three robots against uh, another three robots, and um it's almost like playing League of Legends where um you're uh, controlling one champion except you're controlling three, which it requires a lot of like microing um and and controlling those units and all those robots um they they're all completely customizable. So um the way they move um the weapons that they have you can ba basically like take them apart and put um put like new weapons on it which is which is uh pretty fun being able to create basically create a, a champion out of that mm -hmm. um and you would basically uh um 
you would kill monsters and they would drop these like core thingies and you would drop them off in the middle um, of the of the place and only one can be dropped off at the same time so at, at one time so everyone would be fighting and um, trying to drop off their cores and whoever gets the highest score would um, would uh, would win the game pretty much um, and then you also had multiplayer modes as well but uh, yeah it was a little bit like basketball I guess um, with like one with one hoop pretty much yeah so. that's actually yeah. a pretty great analogy for it I would not have yeah. uh, put those two together and I guess yeah. so with this being a brand new game kind of different not you know as you said it's real time strategy game so it's not yeah foreign to anybody but how do you go about you know as from the collegian esports you know division director coordinator whatever you want to call yourself how how did you go about you know going to these colleges and helping build awareness for the game so that more people would download it or buy it or, or do you know whatever those kpis you guys were looking for yeah um well i mean um, we use a combination of like traditional and collegiate so traditional um traditional ways of marking is obviously through social media through conventions like pax um and and you know pax is is a dual use thing um you use like conventions like pax and gamescom gamescom is like the biggest uh, convention in europe but um use those to to get media coverage like people will come to your booth um will make content about your and it's a mutual um mutually ben- mm-hmm. beneficial they get content and um and you know we get exposure um and then uh you just basically like um hand out tons of um codes um you know like swag and stuff like that um and uh and you do a bunch of like local activations as well, um, social media campaigns, all that stuff. So the combination of this, so those are all traditional methods and a lot of those methods um, because um, because like it's easier to just do what everyone else is doing, um, those those costs can become, those markets can become super saturated, you know? Um, like it, it drives up the cost because everyone's using it. So collegiate was um, my alternative way. Um, you know, it didn't require a lot of money because the market wasn't saturated, um, but, uh, we were basically able to get the game into the hands of like one of the biggest, um, one of the most valuable demographics, right? To college kids. And it didn't cost, cost us anything. We didn't have to pay for it. We, we bought some like zip bags and some t-shirts or whatever. But um, in terms of actually getting these colleges to, to um, you know, to give us shout outs and to distribute um, beta keys and stuff, which is really the, the one driving factor. You just get out as many beta keys as possible so people mm-hmm. have the game in their hands. Um, you get as many um, beta keys, but they, they'll distribute it for free. Um, they'll, they'll make social posts for free. Some of them don't do that anymore, but at the time it was still like, um, definitely like mutually beneficial. Um, and uh, basically like I was able to, um, this is like a one man operation with, um, with an art intern, but we basically had um, 60 universities across the country that were, um, that were pushing our game, that, um, that were making social posts, that were um, doing stuff at their live events for us. And it ended up being like, I think for every, 32 or 36 dollars that we spent on traditional marketing we spent what um to, to bring on one player we spent one dollar um using collegiate program to do it so um, it, it was really good results it ended up being like um the anchor that i kind of used to to you know pitch my startup and, mm-hmm. and start that you know this is how valuable collegiate is because it's an unsaturated market and you're hitting a, a really valuable demographic you're not hitting it like at, at gamescom it was like really cool we had the big we had one of the biggest booths we had the biggest booth i think at gamescom um it was like literally a building and a movie theater inside of it and they built it within like a week or something um and had a stage in the front a playing area in the back um but um you know you're you also have families coming through there that may not really play that kind of like hardcore rts game who don't have the skills but they they may want a free chair i can tell you like almost everybody like like we had people coming from the back who were faking a limp or faking back problems. You know, I saw them running around like early in the day and then they were just like, Oh, I'm back. Can I have a free chair? They literally just wanted um, a lot of them wanted free chairs, but um, you're, you're not hitting like, like 
for some of them, you're not hitting like the core gamers and core demographics you're looking for. So mm -hmm. um, hitting, hitting, hitting kids who are specifically coming together to play competitive games with each other is, is, you know, definitely something of value that, um, that we could market directly to with our kids. So with those numbers, I mean, 36 mm -hmm. to one is insane. Uh, how mm -hmm. did they continue with the traditional marketing route or did they then realize like, all right, maybe we should funnel all, if not most of our money through the collegiate space? Um, so traditional marketing still has value. Like, um, I can, of course. um, yeah, like, like I would say per capita, um, like we were definitely most cost efficient, but, um, I like, there were not enough universities and I did not, not have enough like resources or like, or time or, or connections to reach like all the universities. Like the, um, I think per capita, um, collegiate is still like, um, super valuable, but you still need that traditional marketing where like, um, you can hit like the broader, um, country. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah, they ended up, um, saying like, um, oh, um, let's do this again, except um, um, like uh, create the competitive aspect of it, um, all that stuff. Um, but that's when I kind of hit my biggest problem, which is scalability. Like doing 60 universities plus the other responsibilities I have was like, it was a huge nightmare. I love the space. I love gaming, but uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to continue packaging 60 swag packages for, and then like shipping it out manually and reaching out to these schools and these kids on um, these events, because if you're dealing with 60 different um, organizations, you're, you're dealing with 60 different event organizers. Mm -hmm. That's like, and everything's done manually through email. Like there's no way I was going to keep doing that. Um, so I think uh, after the, after the second semester of running like um, tournament operations, stuff like that, um, I basically quit um, the marketing director there and um, the, the biz dev guy ended up becoming my advisors for my startup. And I, ba I basically started creating a platform that, um, that my first platform, which was um, supposed to help me kind of do this scalably so that I could automate a lot of these processes and not have to do like manual email correspondence. That first platform did okay, um, but we ended up just becoming an agency and um, doing things manually anyway. And then we didn't launch the current platform until um, August of last year, which is really when we, we truly made a platform that actually solved the problem. It, it required some pivoting and some, mm -hmm. some, some work and stuff like that, but that ended up being like the, the solution we we're looking for. And that, that's a problem that hit that, um, that every publisher and brand was looking at as well. Um, that was like the biggest problem in Clued Esports at the time. That's awesome, man. I, I love how you solved this problem that you have person that you personally had mm -hmm. and you decided, hey, maybe there's something I can do about this. So yeah, tell us about mm -hmm. UConnect. What exactly is it? And yeah. I mean, you told us kind of where the idea came from, but how did you mm -hmm. get that process started and actually start executing upon the idea? Yeah, so um, so we're a sponsorship marketplace that allows brands to activate across um, across live events and collegiate organized esports organizations and just normal like esports communities at scale. So um, on our platform, um, instead of, um, you know, ha like having students jump around all these different um, sponsorship emails, like having to email Coursera, fill out their, um, like a long form for, uh, you know, and Coursera does a really good job with um, their student program as well. But, um, you know, having to message all of these and fill out the forms for all these different brands that are running collegiate programs is, um, it, it's, it's a lot of work and a lot of them end up forgetting, oh, I have to do these deliverables for, for this company that's this um, for this company and they forget or they can't manage it and they also don't know like who the proper contacts are so um, on our platform we basically aggregate all of those um, all the brands on our platform and um, after you fill out your profile with all the data um, they can basically one click apply to like seven different brands um, it automatically applies that data and then um, the stuff that they fill out it's basically like they, they don't have to build pitch decks anymore um, like right now, a lot of them build like 10 page pitch decks that they don't really know how to because they're, you know, the students are kind of new to the process. Um, so we basically gathered all the data that you typically would need and we just compile it into one slot. 
so that they um they don't need to build pitch decks and these these brands can basically decide in one or two seconds whether or not they want to sponsor it and it makes it turns like a one week process of negotiation into um into like a three second decision so instead of um spending weeks trying to sponsor one college they can spend like 15 minutes on our platform and sponsor like 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 50 or 60. Mm -hmm. um, so we streamlined that whole process and brands can also look for these, um, these organizations. We have a bunch of other stuff going on as well, but that, that's the core of, mm -hmm. um, that's, that's the core of the, the platform. Um, and so, so a couple questions on that one, how many collegiate esports programs are there just like estimate. in, 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 in North America or in the world In North America, uh, there's North probably America. in North America, there's probably like 500. Um, okay. so that's yeah. a lot. So uh, yeah, it's a, a lot. It's, oh. And so what you guys have been able to do is you've been able to take from these programs, give mm -hmm. us this, 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 and this, because that's what mm -hmm. all the brands are looking for. And th these are the numbers mm -hmm. they want to know. So you don't have to go mm -hmm. through that whole process, as you said, of creating a shitty pitch deck. Now oh, yeah. you, we can tell you what the information is, just punch that information in truthfully. And now mm -hmm. these brands can make those decisions as uh, essentially as a snap decision. Like, okay, how many people is it? What actually, if you don't mind, what are some mm -hmm. of those KPIs? If you're allowed to tell us, what are some yeah, of those yeah. KPIs that the brands are looking for that you kind of mm -hmm. require these these programs to to fill out um so straight off the bat um the stuff that they see is the social media reach obviously that's um that's some of the obviously a lot of gamers they interact mainly through social media so like the discord numbers facebook twitter all that stuff um also previous event attendees like what's your history right and we, we're building out a more uh, robust um system for for showing like an event history but um you know event history event attendees um, and then, uh, like what other brands are sponsoring, um, you know, a lot of these brands don't want to be sponsoring the same event as their competitors. It just looks bad. Um, and then we have some other, um, KPIs that are going in, but also event pictures, like pictures is honestly like right now, but I know it sounds like kind of, um, archaic, but, but, um, but pictures are honestly like the biggest deciding factor right now, not in not only in terms of, um, vetting schools, but, um, but also in terms of, uh, deliverables. So like they, they want to be able to show um, they want to be able to show their bosses like, hey, um, you know, look at this massive. Obviously, it's, it's like the, the picture speaks a thousand words. Right. Mm -hmm. They want to be able to be like, hey, look at these like awesome events that we sponsor that we got exposure in. Um, and they want to make sure that um, people are engaging with their. So like um, a lot of these schools, they, they post like crowd photos, which is really great. But um, posting pictures of people engaging with their, their product and like tagging their social media stuff. Um, you know, the, that increased social media reach um, is also another um, big KPI. There's other KPIs now as well. Um, like, uh, they're starting to evolve things into um, arena sponsorships. So, uh, there, I can tell you that um, there's quite a few uh, collegiate esports arenas now, but um, this, the next uh, six months to a year, you're going to see like a massive explosion of arenas. I think almost every major university we've been talking to is, is starting the process or or finalizing the process of building a collegiate esports like arena wow. or space, um, and that's gonna, that's going to be huge. Um, and they're all looking for sponsors, which which we're helping with. That's another space that we're moving. Like mm -hmm. hardware companies really want to get into that because that's direct sales, um, and that's that's going to be sales over time. Like every three years, they have to refresh the the hardware and all mm -hmm. that stuff. Um, but that that's something that that's that's one of the biggest values that um, and KPIs like um, con converting these event sponsorships and these event reach. Um, um, into goodwill and using that goodwill to get into these, um, to get into these arenas and having, um, you know, a solid, not only a solid location to, um, to have all these events go through and, and have consistent exposure, but also, um, 
to do direct sales and also get into school store, which is a more consistent, um, mm-hmm. consistent sales. So that, that's, Streamer revenue, sale, yeah, yeah, yeah. hundred yeah. percent. And I think again, like it's just such a cool concept. You guys are clearly disrupting this space that you essentially grew up in. Um, yeah. your first job, let's call it essentially was creating an esports, uh, collegiate esports program. Then your, your first full-time job, even though the first, we, we know how, how full-time the first one was as well, but the first time you got paid, let's say that, was dealing with mm-hmm. collegiate esports. So clearly you've had how since 2012, so about eight years within the space at this point. Yeah. So clearly you understand yeah. it, you know what's going on mm-hmm. and you know how it works. One thing mm-hmm. that's always very interesting to me with gaming and especially when it comes to sponsors and partners is mm-hmm. is the there's specific brands, let's call it Red Bull, let's call it, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, specific keyboard companies or Alienware, you know, any of these endemic brands but then Mm -hmm. it's the non-endemic and these legacy brands that kind of they want to take advantage of the space how do you make Mm -hmm. sure or how do you vet them or or give Mm -hmm. them the information they're looking for because a lot of the time it's just Mm -hmm. wow look at these eyeballs okay let's put our money here and sometimes they're not as smart as you know the the fortune 500 you know you know balance sheet makes them look so how do you guys help these brands Mm -hmm. and do a little consulting i guess to make Mm -hmm. sure that this is even something that makes sense or is right for them mm-hmm. um for these non uh big non-endemic brands they will typically um work through agencies so these agencies like that's where i was talking about like um some of these guys like like tony yuan um tony yuan works for um um uh, code zero which is um i forgot the exact agency that is i, I think the code zero is like the sub um the sub agency or something like that but um omd i think um is the agency but um but you know they they'll hire um, agencies that that hire um, people who have a direct experience. So Tony Yuan like um, you know does that stuff for Pepsi, does it for like a like a car company and um, all these other brands. So um, they they may not have um, direct um, direct knowledge mm-hmm. about it, but they will hire agencies that hire the proper people to do this. Um, I think um, one of the things, um, yeah, it'll be like it, like. Um, direct sponsorships into entities that they believe um, will be pushing to that. Also, a lot of these, um, a lot of these schools are either Pepsi or I know I'm, I'm maybe may going too hard into like Pepsi and Coke, but um, a lot of these schools are like Pepsi or Coke schools. And they actually have, um, I think um, this is what I heard. And I think a lot of they, I've seen it happen enough that I think it's probably true that um, if, if schools, if a school is a Pepsi school, um, if they are building an arena, Pepsi will help pay for it. So like Ohio State is sponsored wow. by Pepsi. Um, yeah, all, all this stuff. So um, and like um, so the person who um, the 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 co- the I think Mountain Dew, um, the Mountain Dew uh, person at Pepsi, like one of the lead marketing people, is actually from A and M, and she actually talked at South by at the at the um, Aggie booth or whatever. She, um, they were talking about how like. Um, even though soda sales have been going down um, over time because people are moving more towards water, which is also owned by soda companies. So like, it's not really too bad, but um, mm-hmm. even the soda sales are going down overall because um, Pepsi um, hit like um, targeted specifically gamers for Mountain Dew. They basically like, sold out on, on their, uh, on their energy drink products. So they were basically able to save Mountain Dew sales by targeting gamers. Like I think it was like something like some crazy number where like 60 or 70% of their budget for marketing for Mountain Dew was spent on gamers, and wow. they they basically like it became one of the biggest success stories and just like um, big brand 
history or like historically big brands, but that's awesome. Um, and I yeah, hope the other 30% fun. is on people that love Taco Bell and Baja Blast, but that's oh, a yeah. whole other conversation. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think again, you know, what you're able to do in this space and by, by disrupting it, by being kind of that opportunity to scale, what have you, so you said a little bit before kind of the iterations have changed. What was it like? Uh, and again, you kind of touched upon it, but I'm curious kind of the thought process, like what was it like three years ago when you started? to what it looks like now, which is where it is this kind of marketplace. You come in, you give us these numbers. Mm-hmm. They say that you like, what did it look like in the beginning and, and how did you get to this point? Um, I guess in the beginning it was way more lives affair. So like, it was just like, it was just like um, crazy wild um, growth that didn't really have any direction. We were literally like creating the processes. Right. So like, um, like we didn't, yeah, we were basically creating the process, creating the growth, but it was a lot less sponsorships, a lot less jobs. Um, but it was, I would say, um, I'd be biased about this, but like, um, I would say it was the most exciting time in Collegiate Esports just because we were creating our own growth. We were creating our own revenue. Um, and yeah, I think that's, that's like the biggest sort of, I think like now, um, a lot of, there's a lot more like major Titan universities that are growing. Like back then it was like, oh, Texas AM is so big. Now, like, like almost every university, especially in, um, in California is like, um, taking, they're, they're taking bigger, more permanent steps. Back then, like our growth was big, but once the, the leader left, because it was very leader dependent, mm-hmm. um, the, the club, it was like flipping a coin. They might collapse, they might not, you know? Um, now it's being integrated with administration because it's a lot of work. Like a lot of people like um, who didn't found stuff, like if they just adopted it, they didn't realize like how, how mm-hmm. crazy it was. But now, um, now that you're getting more integration in administration, um, you have a lot of those processes being more solidified. They're kind of learning from, they have, it's basically like Avatar-less Airbender where like they have like all these previous uh, iterations of themselves that they can use as mentorship, you know? Um, and they're also a lot more, um, back then we were way more, I probably shouldn't say this, but we were all way more toxic um, because there was like, we didn't have anything to lose. We didn't bring a good job in esports, but now people are way more professional. Um, they're just way nicer people. Um, um, but yeah, like everything's also moved from Facebook to discord. Um, but now, um, you see a lot more, um, a lot more like the hardware brands have already like been pretty invested in it. You're starting to see a lot more, um, non-endemic brands, um, and been investing into collegiate, you know, uh, a little bit of Chipotle, you know, Samsung, all that stuff, um, doing like little regional stuff and kind of getting their toes wet in this space. Um, but yeah, there's a lot more uh, career opportunities, a lot more integration with administration, a lot more consistency. The arenas and the varsity programs were like a crazy thing. Like I didn't even think it was really going to happen. And now it's just a norm, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. um, like it's very, very normal. And I think now it's before it was like, oh, games are bad for, um, are bad for college students. And now like I've been talking to some tier one universities, um, a, a lot of tier one universities, especially in Texas. And it's gone from, um, it's a bad thing to holy crap we're falling behind like i don't know what the benefit of collegiate esports is but we can't be the last one there because there's too many colleges that are moving forward so that now they're playing catch up now they're kind of panicking but it's like a good kind of panic you know it's, it's that panic that, that releases these waves of mm-hmm. these new these new trends and stuff so um yeah a lot more sponsorships and uh yeah just um overall pretty good um mm-hmm. i think also a lot more bureaucracy so um that people have to go to so i think that does drain a lot of students I mean, it's not that crazy adrenaline growth. It's like we have to go through certain processes and mm. administration can be slow. And they're, they're also just, a lot of them are just starting to learn about collegiate esports, like like eight years later or whatever. Um, but uh, having to go through that process and having to hit a lot of brick walls 
Um, I've heard a lot of student leaders get pretty frustrated with that, but it, it's a process, you know, I'm not going to like, it's not the administrator's fault, you know, they're making an effort to learn more about it, but it's just, um, it takes a little bit of time and, and those big changes can be, um, it takes longer in an, in, in an endemic, like mm -hmm. large, large, um, large ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's, thing. that's yeah, going to happen. Yeah. I mean, that's just yeah. how, that's how the world works, right? There's a lot of people right, that right. lag behind. There's a lot of yeah. slow people up at the top that, Oh well, yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. It's like, all right, dude, right. it's eight years later. And we're, as you said, we're <laughs> far behind. So hopefully that lights yeah. that fire um, mm -hmm. and really does create that, that growth and that movement mm -hmm. in the correct direction or at least mm -hmm. in a direction. So that way they can at least correct the course. So one thing mm -hmm. that's really interesting to me. So I was also going to ask about authenticity when it does come to the sponsors, but you answered that mm -hmm. question essentially saying, you know, we have these agencies that come to us essentially to make that life a lot, a lot easier. So that, that essentially, as long as the agency knows what they're doing, that should be totally fine. But when it yeah. comes to, you know, like a lot, there's a couple of leagues that are just popping up now with call of duty and league of legends, if I'm not mistaken, that are city specific, which is very uh -huh. different and very weird um, in yeah. terms of, you know, esports and gaming grew up online where you didn't mm. have to care about what city or state you're in. You could play with people in Venezuela or, or in Europe or right. in, you know, Asia. Oh. Um, so with the city-specific leagues, I'm curious, have mm. you seen regional brands or, or um, you know, town brands or like brands, you know, companies mm. from Texas A&M that want to get in through you to partner with the Texas A&M uh, Collegiate League? Like, have you seen mm. anything where it comes to like that city-specific or that region-specific brand that wants to go through you guys? So um, I would say... Um, so there's two kinds of region city specific um, engagement, right? One is um, those amateur leagues, like things like Super League Gaming, all that stuff, right? So um, that's um, that's done through like a private company, um, through like Super League Gaming and, and other other um, places that do that kind of region specific um, amateur league. And um, basically, what these brands will do is they'll sponsor, they're like they'll pay these um, these large um, these large companies that do that kind of stuff and and. But um, by proxy, they'll sponsor all the events in the in the, the region, right? Um, another thing is uh, the the whole franchise era, um, which is basically like Overwatch and League of Legends. Um, basically, like um, anchoring these um, these esports teams to a city. Um, you know, they get invested by local sports teams, all that stuff. Um, so, um, in terms of getting into collegiate, I would say that the brands um, see value in the collegiate, but they've um, a lot of the brands will sponsor directly um, these colleges because it's a different thing, but um, right now, what we're seeing is that a lot of these teams, um, these esports teams, um, they're the ones going after collegiate, and then they make that a value add to the sponsors. Um, and uh, it's also uh, one of the biggest reasons, also because, um, like I said, with the har whole hardware sponsor, an entire generation um, basically graduated and end up moving into the industry and start investing back in the collegiate. Same thing happened with tween with teams. Um, basically, uh, like, you know, there's a lot of people who end up, there's a whole generation of collegiate, um, and I, I, I can name a couple like Sabrina Long and the, um, work, who is the president of, uh, of, um, UC Riverside esports ended up moving to, you know, LA Valiant and ended up, um, um, like working at a hundred thieves. She works at evil geniuses now, but, um, she's working on a lot of collegiate stuff as well. Um, um, on the teams and bring that collegiate knowledge so that they can invest in these, um, team in these these college campuses, you know, push out their own products and their own, um, their own brand, as well as make that a value. Like, Hey, if you sponsor like evil geniuses, or if you sponsor LA Valiant, you'll also get this reach into these colleges as well. So it, it's, it's a combination. I think, um, you know, like even with Houston outlaws, there's a HEB, you know, HEB is a regional, um, is a regional, uh, um, grocery store, but they sponsor Houston outlaws to kind of get that reach into, 
into Quidget as well. So it's either by proxy or directly. I think right now it's easier for um, them to sponsor an organization um, and and uh, reach these college kids by proxy. But um, we're kind of creating more direct um, thing. But I don't. We're we're not big enough. Um, we're we're not like old enough that um, I can hit up HEB. You know, mm -hmm. I can hit up like endemic hardware sponsors. It's going to take a little more time to get into these non-endemic um, brands because it's a, that makes sense. Way longer process. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And they've been doing this yeah. thing for a while, as we said. Slow mm -hmm. people, uh, old people move slow. Um, yeah, but yeah. and then I guess one of the last questions I have for you, and, and I really do appreciate it. There's probably like two mm -hmm. more questions I have, but no when problem. it comes yeah. to these these colleges, I mean, mm -hmm. I was a college kid. Uh, you were mm -hmm. a college kid uh, yeah. and you worked very hard and I, I worked kind of hard, but I was also <laughs> in college and, you know, some days uh -huh. I'd wake up at 11 o'clock because I was up right. till four o'clock in the morning. Like, how do you mm -hmm. vet, you know, we talked about vetting the sponsors before. How do you vet these colleges to make sure that because they're on your marketplace and if they go mm -hmm. and they accept money from a brand and they don't, they don't execute properly or they don't do everything they're mm -hmm. supposed to, or they do it in a really shitty way. How do mm -hmm. you make sure that, that, you know, obviously your name's on all of it. So how do you mm -hmm. kind of, vet those deals or make sure that something like that doesn't happen to screw over your platform because those brands are not going to come back if they have a bad experience. Right. Right. So, um, we, we do have a pretty intense vetting process. So like we already know, like, um, at minimum, um, at the very minimum, you have to have like 50 to 75 people showing up consistently, um, to your events. So that's like, um, we, we do a lot in the scale of, of the packages. So like some of these events are a thousand or 2000 people. Um, and you can, you know, send us a package, like a standardized package, like, um, basically like, um starter standard epic and then mega epic or whatever you want to call it right mega um, epic. yeah yeah so that kind of allows them to um to scale it out um but in terms of uh vetting um we we already have a really intense vetting process in the beginning and our regional coordinators are in each region so they they have it um they have um deep enough college uh deep enough like regional knowledge because they were part they're all like former re uh uh former collegiate court like collegiate leaders in that region that they know like the internal um the internal like drama or whatever in the in each of those individual clubs so they have really um really deep knowledge into that but um also we have like an event history right so um every time they um, this is something we're implementing um in the short term um like pretty soon but um basically every time they sponsor a um every time an event gets sponsored um uh, they get a rating from the sponsors from mm -hmm. the sponsors that they have, and that basically it basically becomes like a credit agency. You know, um, if you screw up one time, you'll probably get a dip um, in a bunch of different factors, like like how good was the event, how many attendees, how good was the, was the execution of the deliverables, and then after a while, it basically creates a credit history for those um, organizations. So these brands can be like um, they're a big org, but they don't they just like tend to not do very much for their deliverables. Um, and yeah, there's also reporting features as well. So they, they get to see directly what the organizations did. So I'm um, building up that credit history, just having a, a big, um, vetting process in the beginning. Um, so far we haven't run into too many problems. Um, when, when schools don't deliver, it, it tends not to be like they're too lazy. It tends to be that like, they're so focused on the event production that they forget to do deliverables. So, um, making it as easy as possible for them, for them to manage that and putting it all on one page, which we do, um, for all these sponsors, they can just like keep it up during the event and be like, oh, we have to do this to this rather than, oh, I have to flip through seven emails and mm -hmm. try and find out which place in the thread we had like the deliverables on. And we need to do that for seven sponsors. You know, that's, that's um, the main thing. If, if you make it easier for them, because there are students, they are volunteers, you have to give them some leeway, um, then they will deliver. Like these are really hardworking kids. Um, mm -hmm. for them. Yeah. Um, so 
um, yeah, that's pretty much. Yeah. Um, and that's, oh, that's an awesome explanation because I do think that's very important. I've been in the sponsorship and partnership space before. And, you know, of course I've, because of those seven mm-hmm. different email threads, I've absolutely forgotten to do things before. And that's right, never right. a fun conversation. You own up to it. It is what oh. it is. But again, yeah. kind of you being that middleman, making sure that the brand is getting what they pay for and the mm-hmm. student organizations are yes, run mm-hmm. by students, but are put in the best possible position to succeed. Right, right. And I'm sure occasionally it's, things do still flip, slip through the cracks because that's just how mm-hmm. it works. And then what about the customization opportunities for these brands? Because mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of them, you know, maybe to dip their toes in, they'll do something easy, you know, put up a couple banners, do this, social post, that kind of thing. Yeah. How do you mm-hmm. get into the customization opportunity? Because I feel like some of these brands specifically, they can get pretty interesting with their activations, especially with a one to 2000 person event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so customizations, um, we have a pretty open system where they can pretty much like um, create different deliverables and like, um, you know, what kind of response, like the, the text or whatever, like photo galleries, whatever. Um, it, they do have a better chance of um, creating better campaigns because they don't have to, before um, a lot of the way they, a lot of the ways they executed was like very simplistic because they were more focused on just like getting the sponsorship out there because they were you know, managing it manually. Now, because we made the, the management and the sponsorships um, easy to execute and easy to attain, um, they're starting to like create more of these um, these more engaging, like creative ways of um, engaging. So we have a pretty open system for that. You basically type out the instructions for what you want them to do. Uh, we're we're going to go more in depth into that later. We are an alpha. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's more things to be done, but um, right now, like um, I will say that um, I'm, I'm helping create a lot of these processes, processes, like a lot of these campaigns, like the Twitch loot drop or the Baron's, the Baron's loot drop, or it was like Baron's loot drop. And then um, Twitch uh, bits bonanza or something like that. Um, but we basically create these custom graphics and um, we're going to, we we're going to end up using that as like, Hey, these are the types of campaigns you can run. Um, it really, really the, the campaigns end up being about like, what are your KPIs? A lot of these companies have very different KPIs. So the way they engage is, is like very different, you know? So um, yeah, um, it's, uh, I would say it's almost too, uh, it's almost too customizable. It's like too open-ended mm-hmm. to the point where mm-hmm. like they, they feel like they just like, we just dropped them in a desert and they don't yeah. know where, where to go. So um, I think we're going to help out a lot more with that, but um, yeah, it, creating more open thing. It, it, you, do, you do get more loss, but it also creates more opportunities. So exactly. And I think that, yeah. especially being this, this early in the game, I think is, is very important. And then what have mm-hmm. you been, you know, obviously with most of what you do is based around live events and around colleges, mm-hmm. obviously everything's been shut down for the last mm-hmm. month and change at this point and for the foreseeable mm-hmm. future. So I assume this semester is pretty much knocked out. If anyone goes back to school, I would be extremely surprised. So how are yeah. you and you connect taking, I guess, advantage of this time? Obviously it's not fun mm-hmm. because I don't know how much revenue you guys can drive if there's no events, mm-hmm. but what are you yeah. doing to take advantage of this time to make sure that when you come out, you're gonna be a little bit further ahead? Yeah, a couple things. So um, we actually ended up pivoting to digital campaigns as well. So, um, you know, we're doing a campaign for Twitch called like the Twitch Bits Drop, where um, they they get a bunch of free bits that they can raffle off to their to their school. And then um, they also collect um, like how many verified Twitch student um, I, uh, Twitch students that they have um, who like, um, you know, college students who use Twitch. They collect those IDs. And then um, basically if they collect a certain amount of, um, of verified Twitch students, then um, they unlock uh, sponsors. They unlock some sp- uh, some Twitch sponsorships for next semester. Mm-hmm. So basically, like allowing them to prep for next semester with all those sponsorships. Um, we're also um, talking a lot more administration in schools. Um, you know, using that time, we can still correspond through email and stuff like that. I'm um, getting as far as we can through that process. And then uh, we're just doing a lot more prep, a lot more development. Like 
Um, I, I have been like neglecting development for a while now, um, just because I haven't had the time. We're all like, um, you know, getting things through, but we have a lot of like um, new sponsors that came on board um, that were supposed to do their trials um, last semester. But, you know, it just gives us more time to get something quality out there for next semester. Um, but yeah, lots of prep, lots of development, and then just doing what we can for the students um, in terms of supporting them now. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, that's pretty much it. It's been actually like pretty chill. I've been pretty, I've actually been kind of happy with um, with the extra time just so uh, we're not rushing through anything. We, we push out something quality, but yeah. And that's good. I mean, again, I, I believe in taking advantage. Like, obviously, it's an awful time. You know, human history mm -hmm. has never really seen anything like this, where essentially the whole world shuts down for what's going to look like at least about two months at this point, if not longer. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So that part is very weird. But, you know, obviously, it's unfortunate. A lot of people sick, a lot of people hurt, a lot of people dying. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, mm -hmm. you still got to take advantage of it. And you still have to do something with it. Because if you sit on your hands, two months go mm -hmm. by, not only did you not get better, you actually got worse because you didn't do anything for two months. Um, right, right, right. So it's awesome that you guys are taking advantage of it in certain way, shape or form, being smart about it. And you're doing what you can, because when you come out of it, you're going to be that mm -hmm. much further ahead. Now, you know, obviously it would have been different and it would have been nice mm. to drive much more revenue, but Hey, you got to do what mm. you got to do. And if you survive and you right. come out of this, you'll be one of the few men and we congratulate you on that. And so yeah, last thing, last topic, last mm. question I have for you is, you know, as mm. you've kind of started the business a few years ago, you've seen it change over time and now it's a little different and then it's a little different. And now it's almost not completely different, but it's relatively different than what it was. Mm. What do mm. you, what's like the North star? What's the trajectory that you're shooting for? And not to say like, what is it going to look like in five years, but what, what are some of the foreseeable goals in the future that you guys are trying to hit to make sure you're on a path to, maybe it's going to look different in five years or 10 years, mm -hmm. but it's still going to be successful and still going to be in that mission of helping collegiate esports or maybe helping esports in general connect with mm -hmm. these sponsors in a, an easy and sophisticated way. Yeah. So I guess our, um, our North star, um, I would say um, well, the next goals that I want to hit are um, obviously, um, you know, doing more for um, colleges and stuff like that. But um, uh, I want to like branch out from collegiate as well, like go into, um, go into like the city based work. I basically like my, I guess my very end goal is like, as m I want to automate as much um, like live event sponsorship as possible, um, just to make things like scalable and easy and stuff like that. I want to get into um, maybe like even outside of esports and gaming, you know, get into these traditional live events where um, we can basically streamline the whole uh, event sponsorship process um, through there as well. Um, you know, um, I think um, there, there's a lot of um, problems that I think I can integrate um, into, into Uconnect that I, I see things like anytime I see anything doing, being done manually and that's it's like a pain in the butt um, mm -hmm. for everybody. Like that's something that like um, I, I try and automate or try and solve for because like I've done manual work and it, it really, really sucks. And um, it, it's, I feel like it's wasted. Um, it's wasted time. A lot of these people um, in the gaming industry, you know, um, they are using their skills for like um, really creative and useful processes, but the time that they spend doing things that have to be done manually right now, I feel like it's just wasted time. I feel like, um, you know, automate the manual stuff and then, um, and let them be more creative and let them like really use their intellect and their creativity to do the like cool things, you know, cool ideas mm -hmm. rather than, rather than the manual work, you know, and 100%. manual work, there's, there's definitely honor in that and stuff like that. But if we can, if we can shift people to a more creative, um, more creative endeavors rather than, um, than, than, you know, manual stuff, I, I feel like that's, that's a good transition. Yeah. And, and I agree, you know, you have to kind of pay your dues, let's call it for, for lack of a better term in, in understanding, right, right. like this is how everybody used to do it. 
Mm-hmm. Now there's a better way. Now this is something right. you can do. And again, time is literally the only thing we cannot get more of. You can make more money. Right. Um, that is not a question. You can get more right. money and you could probably make more money if you save your time significantly. You know, mm-hmm. so I don't know if you guys are on a revenue model and we don't have to get too, too mm-hmm. deep into that unless you want to tell mm-hmm. us, but like, you know, you can utilize your platform, pay whatever it costs and then take mm-hmm. that time and you know, then reinvest the time into making the event better, making mm-hmm. those sponsors happier, uh, you know, doing all those opportunities because that's going to bring the sponsors back. That's going to bring right. more people to the events. That's going to mm-hmm. increase the number and the, the cost and the, the investment of the sponsors into your organization. Again, it's just mm-hmm. time is the only thing we don't get more of. So you can save or not even save, but use that time much more efficiently by utilizing a platform like you connect. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much a no brainer at that point. Right, right. I love it. Good stuff. Uh, Dylan, this was incredible. This was fantastic. A little over an hour. I really appreciate your time. Those are all my questions. Unless you have anything you want to leave us with. I mean, I'm, I think we did great, man. Uh, Awesome. Yeah. Like, thanks. Thanks a lot for having me. It was a great conversation. I'm I'm glad we were like, uh, I was pretty much like full adrenaline the whole time. Um, Um, but yeah, I guess, um, the thing, like, obviously thank you for having me on. Um, I wanted to give a couple of shout outs. Um, you know, we are marketing, so we have to, you know, um, you know, uh, Twitch student is one of like the biggest, um, is one of the biggest advocates for, um, for collegiate esports. So, you know, big shout out to Kevin Huang and um, Garvey, um, you know, HyperX, um, Cooler Master. We have a bunch of other brands I can't announce yet, so I'm I'm just going to, um, leave it at that. But, um, you know, Sputnik and uh, Capital Factory were my two accelerators, startup accelerators. They helped so much. Um, like we, we literally, like I pivoted, um, um, at, at Capital Factory, um, at like 5am, I was like writing out the, the idea for the new platform on, on like three different, um, like marker boards or whatever, eraser boards, erase boards. I forgot what they're called. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, and then Sputnik helped us like grow really fast and, and I learned a lot about startups. So I got to give a shout out to that and also like my team and stuff, but yeah, it's fun to i love it i appreciate it man this is your platform if you have anybody else do not hesitate to shout them out too no i love i'm here to help i'm here to share your story which i think is really cool and that's why i all i pretty much do is ask questions the whole time it's my favorite thing i get to do so uh dylan Liu, ceo of uconnect esports former president and founder of a&m esports dylan i'm going to get all of your socials but where can everybody find you on the internet um, you can find Uconnect Esports. It's pretty straightforward. Our socials is like at Uconnect Esports, pretty much. Um, UConnectEsports.com. Um, my my like Twitter is like at Dylan S. Lou, which is just my full name. Um, uh, yeah, that's pretty much. I I, um, I started getting into Instagram and I stopped now. Like my Instagram isn't interesting. It's literally just like food pictures. So um, like it's like five food pictures. Um, uh, yeah, but mainly like I guess uh, Twitter would be good um and uh you know like your twitch page your discord what do you got anything on that side oh uh discord um discord i i don't think i can give my exact um username just because yeah um, i get it you're good yeah yeah but um twitch Twitch, i don't i actually don't stream um but uh i I mainly use twitch to watch my friends channels and stuff like Mm -hmm. that but well they they appreciate you i'm sure but uh again dylan this was awesome really appreciate time today man awesome all right yeah thanks a lot man Thank you all so much for listening to this episode with Dylan. As I said, super cool. I love how he's disrupting the market, what he's doing and how he's doing it. I think it is so, so sweet. So please make sure to follow Dylan and you connect on all of their socials. Everything is in the show notes. Please make sure to give us a five-star review wherever you're listening. I would be very, very grateful for that. And I hope you make it a wonderful day.